Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, August 26th. West off, right off the back. I need fireworks. Give me a lion's roar. Is that a tornado siren? Oh my god, when did that mariachi band get there? Because we have the first week of the final Grand Slam of the 2019 season upon us. All eyes turning to New York, New York for this year's U.S. Open. Men's singles, women's singles, all starting today. A ton of fun matches to talk about. Joining me to highlight our favorite matches of day one is my doubles partner, partner in crime, and joining me as the newest member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman. Maxie, welcome back to the mini break. I'm the newest member? I mean, <laughs> we both are, right? Tied? I think I, jo- I had to have joined Slack first. I think, uh, I, we'll, have to, we'll have to search that. I was I, like 152 after she sent that email. Like, I'm in. <laughs> yes, get me on there. I, I was surprised I didn't see a, a message from you already. I, I was expecting that right from the beginning. But. I'm really happy you said that because I want you to know how hard I had to hold back. I yeah. called West off. I was like, should I do it? And he's like, no, it's not our. And I was like, I'm okay, offended you didn't call me first. but uh, I think I uh, did call you first, but we'll save that for another time. But Anyways, clearly we're excited about the Tennis Channel launch. We're now part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Hell yeah, baby. Um, I, I, we got to figure out this whole cussing thing. Is hell a bad word? Is damn a bad word? What, what, no, we what can get... cuss. We're not on video anymore. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm not supposed to be excited about that. But anyway, well, the the reason you ask about it, and I do want to say for our listeners, today's mini break will not be the usual extensive preview. We have done a ton of U.S. Open preview content on our other podcast platforms. We the also just recorded interview. an hour long GSP. Exactly. So we did a cracked interview. Steve Johnson, you're gonna see, you saw on Sunday. Listen to that. There's gonna be some other fun ones throughout the week. Katie Volley Nets as well. GSP side, five players to watch in the men's and women's singles. We've done that with Matt Zamek. I did it with Max Rothman. Men's draw preview with Jamie McDonald. So a ton of great content for you to go check out there. What we are going to be doing today, keeping today's mini break on the shorter end, although on the backside of this interview, you will hear one of my conversations with a player in the US Open main draw, Dominic Kopfer, the former Tulane All-American, former number one player in the nation in college, who gave us some time to talk about his run through qualifying, successfully qualifying here, you know, why he's been so successful near the top 100 since his run, his wildcard appearance at Wimbledon, so be on the lookout for that. But we're going to keep today very simple, and again, for our listeners who may be tuning into their first mini break, this will be the podcast where throughout the U.S. Open, we will have our daily updates of match results, matches we want to break down, we will preview the next day's action as well, about the funny storylines that emerge. But again, keeping it simple for mini break number one, I want to do three matches on the men's side, three matches on the women's side, Rothman, that we are looking forward to most on day one. And with that being said, give me your first match. All right. I, I think I'm going to – we just did a GSP, and, and you're going to hear this coming up. Um, my first person to look out for as the five men was Riley Opelka, and he will be playing Fabio Fonini tomorrow morning or i guess not necessarily morning it's uh it's a 12 15 p.m eastern standard time match this is gonna be a great match this is the match where we see you know ken opelka really pull through play the big tennis beat another top guy he beat our ranker recently he's beaten isner recently can he come through again and, and open up this draw for himself we'll see and, and and that's definitely the first match i'm looking to 
I completely agree with you. And again, for a more extensive breakdown, do go listen to our five most intriguing because we talk about that a lot. Profile-wise, Fognini, he's lost second round, first round, second round the last three years here. Opelka is the sort of server who has the type of big game that could really frustrate him. Completely agree. I'd circle that one as well. Awesome. Uh, I think... There's a couple matches. I think that the next match that I'm looking forward to is the Brooksby Burditch. Mm. Just Brooksby, a guy that you know, I think most people are going to be rooting for. The only American man to qu- get through qualies. Uh, so you know, kudos to him for doing it. You know, he gonna a college guy. So always love to see that. Uh, and Burditch, you know, never know it with that guy what's going to happen. Whether his injuries are going to you know you know, hinder him in this match. I think it's just going to be really fun. Maybe Brooksby gets a, a nice little first round win and a nice little paycheck. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens there, but another really good match to watch. Yeah. I agree with you. I'll, I'll take it from here. Now, one, I talked about in our men's straw preview with Jamie Stan Wawrinka versus Yannick Sinner. The young Italian Sinner has really become a tennis Twitter favorite amongst that community. So if you haven't gotten the chance to see him on the big circuit, you don't watch the challengers as frequently as we do. Now is your chance. And he's going to, you know, get a tough one in Stan Wawrinka, who's not who you want to play in your first main draw match. But, you know, that'll be certainly entertaining tennis. Another one you didn't mention, uh, one of our guys, uh, Marcos Giron, who has been on the Cracked Interviews pod. He takes on someone you have aced, Max Rothman, Yoshihito Nishioka. I mean, that's going to be some fun baseline tennis. That will. And, and and I think also just the whoever wins that match, that potential second round uh, is going to be really fun as well. So, I, look, those two guys – like you said, going to be some great rallies in it. Uh, hopefully Nishioka has gotten over that little stomach bug, whatever it was, stomach flu, so uh, food poisoning so that he can feel healthy. And Giron, who has also played some really good tennis in this hardcourt season, uh, excited to see him play. Yeah. All right, any more matches? Uh, I do on the women's side. The right. men's side can I, think can I throw covered. three more flyers on the men? Garen Eubanks, juicy, young guys, I'm in. Dimenauer, Air Bear. Air Bear's going to push Dimenauer, put the onus on him. I'm looking forward to seeing how. And then Fuxovic, Bosch, that's really. No, it's one. not my third one, but not a bad guess. What? No, my third one, Fritz City. Come on. Fritz versus Lopez. Uh, that's a lot of handsome tennis versus a lot of good tennis. And so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward. <laughs> Who's who? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know my thoughts on Feliciano, obviously. Uh, he's, he's got this, what, to quote you, the Spanish sex appeal. He does. Um, so I completely agree with you. But all right, with that, let's move on to the women's. Your three matches on that side. I mean, I think there's two really obvious ones. Uh, actually, I think there's – no, there's two. The first one, the most obvious, Serena Williams, Maria Sharapova. I mean – this is when I'm almost like, how are these draws done? Clearly rigged. How does that happen in the first round? I don't know. Going to be awesome. Uh, you know, Sharapova, we'll see how Sharapova's level uh, holds up against Serena. Uh, we'll see how Serena plays. I think, you know, her level too is you know, semi-questionable at the moment. Um, uh, anyways, that's a great <laughs> first round match. Um, and then Kennan and Vandaway, you know, a little American matchup. That's going to be really fun to watch, both uh, playing well. And I think the last one, uh, you know, someone we've had on the Cracked Interviews, uh, you know, an interview that you did, uh, Whitney Osegway versus Svitolina, another match. Hopefully the, the young American can push Svitolina to a three-setter. I agree. Osegway, former world junior number one. You forget with Anisimova and Coco Goff and Sophia Kennan and Katie McNally, but Osegway, you know, right in the mix with that group, so do not forget about her. That's a great one. The only one I would add to that, and again, there's a ton of good matches, but Kerber Mulder. 
Kerber Mladenovic, juicy. I'm mm-hmm. all over that. I agree. I would watch all of Bouchard Sevastova. Sevastova hasn't been great recently, and if Bouchard can, you know, show any sort of form, that could be a really good one. Also, Kanta Castakina. Kanta on upset alert for me. I believe in my Tourneytopia women's draw, I have Kanta losing first round. So mm-hmm. there's always a first round loss. You just got to find which one's for you. I'm for also, me, Joe Kanta's the one. Also, low key excited to see Stozer play Alexandrova. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I I'm not a bit. I loved Stozer. You but would it's like be wa- anti No, person. it's like watching like Gasquet now <laughs> or Burditch now. You're like, really? Like, I just I don't want to do this to myself. I don't want to tarnish the memory. Um, yeah, but all right. With that, you know, no, no disrespect. Stamps are still great, but like she's great. not as good as she was at her best. Of course. Um, so uh, with that being said, again, extensive previews on the GSP. So go check that out. But any final thoughts before nope. we get to this code for day one is going to be great. Yeah, so with that being said, again, shout out to the super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, who have a f***ing editing job doing it as always. God, it feels good to swear after that live video. But again, stay tuned for our Dominic Kofer interview coming up next, where we talk about his you know time getting through U.S. Open qualities, why he's excited for his round one match, why he's been playing so well of late, college, why he stayed in college before turning pro, all of those things. But for my wonderful co-host, Maxwell Bauer-Rothman, for our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, off for our entire team at Crack Rackets. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxi, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Look, if you've been listening to our content, you're well aware it is U.S. Open time. The main draw starting this Monday, the last Grand Slam of the 2019 season. And we're obviously extremely excited about that qualifying now officially wrapped up. And that is why I am so excited to bring forward today's guest. He is the former number one player in the country at Tulane, where he was an All-American there. A recent qualifier, as I mentioned, winning his third round match against uh, Uchiyama, 6-3, 6-4 yesterday. Today. Dominic Kopfer, welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's start there. You qualified for the U.S. Open, first time there, second major in a row. How are you feeling? Yeah, not too bad. First time I've been playing here in New York, so it's obviously pretty special even playing in qualities and then having a good, good run, I guess, like beating three decent players, like two former top 100 players, and then Uchiyama in the last round of qualities is obviously really exciting and looking forward to Monday playing in Mandor for the first time here in New York. And I, I know you are uh, born in Germany, but as a college tennis player, did you feel like the crowd was supporting you at the U.S. Open? Uh, there was definitely a lot of people that, that I knew back from Tulane. A couple guys flew out from New Orleans. A couple former teammates were here that are working now in the city. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a great environment to play and for you, I, again, obviously, uh, you have this run-up in Aptos before where you make the final there, losing to Stevie. Now you carry that level here. What's going right with your game so far? You know, Why do you continue to have this success right now? I think starting with the grass season, I started to build my confidence up and had a couple good wins. I had a great tournament in Ilkley, beat a lot of good players, I thought. even had, had a good week before that in Nottingham, and then yeah, I just took the momentum and took the confidence into the hardcore season and yeah, you know, I guess it carried over and now I'm seeing the result. 
So would you say it, it's more of a mental thing than a physical thing, that just the confidence now matches your tennis ability? Yes, I, I, I would think so. I mean, tennis hasn't gotten that much better over the last month, I guess. It's just the way I put things together. I'm not freaking out on court as much as I used to. I just got a little calmer, and yeah, everything is kind of clicking and coming together. You know, this is, you You wouldn't remember this, but your, I think, senior year when you guys played Dartmouth in NCAAs, I was at that match when I watched uh, you play Dovidas, I think it was in a third set, and yeah, your tennis was really good then, so like, I can't imagine uh, tennis-wise, uh, you know, you've always had that in you, but how gratifying is it now to, you know, 2017-2018, you're ranking in that 200 to 300 range, now you've really made a push towards that top 150, even top 100, how much confidence does that give you not only going into the U- this U.S. Open, but as you wrap up your 2019 season? Yeah, for sure. It was one of my. I know it's obviously one of the biggest goals that every tennis player has to be in the top 100 and getting closer and closing into it. And yeah, it's 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 been a great year so far. It started off pretty pretty average. The first couple months lost a lot, and yeah, I started working. I kept working hard and. Yeah, the results came over the last month, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, obviously, Abs- the belief starting to build a little more that I can hang with those like bigger players, the guys that are in the top 100, even in the top 50. Yeah, and look, you as you mentioned, in qualifying, you beat Ryan Harrison 1-1. One one. You beat Nico Mahout in three sets uh, in Vancouver. Uh, you, you know, you knock out Cressy. You play a good match with Kokonakis. Your level ha- you qualify in Los Cabos, so your level clearly at a, at a good stage. Um, again, just going into this U.S. Open, you now play Jaume Munar, uh, a young guy. I'm not sure. If, I don't think you've ever had the chance to play him. Uh, but what, what are you thinking going into that match? What's your mindset? Yeah, I think uh, the draw obviously could have been worse with Roger Federer or Stan Wawrinka or someone <laughs> like that. But yeah, I mean, everyone in the draw can play tennis. It's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to playing him. And never really seen him play actually. And I know he loves to play on the clay, so it will be a pretty physical match. But I'm yeah, I'm excited. How helpful is it for you going into this first round to have played Wimbledon, gotten that first slam, best of five set format setting under your belt? Do you think that'll give you a, a notch up? Maybe I know you won your first round at Wimbledon. Do you think you're more, even more prepared heading into this one? Yeah, definitely. I think I won't be as nervous as going to Wimbledon. Like <laughs> Having played a major before is definitely help, but I think Munar has been there several times, so... Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good match, I'm sure, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. One of the big things on tennis Twitter uh, that seems to be blowing up, your partnership with Ryan Williams. Does it help at all to have your coach, you know, right on the sideline as you're going through this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been he's been there before. He's played several Grand Slams, I think. The Aussie Open and even French and US Open, obviously, the main draw. And he's he's had a lot of experience as a player, and he can pass it on to me and help me through these situations which helps a lot Absolutely. And for you, you mentioned, you know, your hot streak starting back in Ilkley uh, when you won that challenger to get the wild card in. But, you you know, you also make the quarterfinals in Nottingham the week before. Uh, you beat a bunch of good lo- guys around the way. Troy Ski, uh, Camille, uh, Sebastian Offner, all of these guys. Uh, again, what seems to be working for you right now? Is it, you know, tennis-wise? Because, you know, you're 25 years old. That's right around where people are in their physical prime, where the mental matches the physicality. Just what, what about you? your game right now what are you most confident in 
I think the thing that has changed is I'm not going for too much at the wrong time. I'm starting to build the point a little better and then waiting for my opportunity to go for it. And yeah, the serve has gotten much better. I thought I'm more confident in my serve. I get a lot more free points than I used to, and that definitely helps. Absolutely. Are you, uh, this is a stupid question, but you looking forward to that, you know, at the very least, U.S. Open first round prize money? I mean, obviously, it's a great help. Like, <laughs> it takes a little pressure off me, especially. I mean, it was always was already great in Wimbledon. Like, took a lot of pressure off me for the rest of the year, and then now qualifying here is obviously a great help as well. Absolutely. Being in New York, you mentioned you have former Tulane teammates, people you know around you. But what's that scene like? How does you know the U.S. Open, the Wimbledon's as events compare to the Challenger circuit where you've been grinding for the past, you know, two years? Mm, I, I I mean it's much nicer playing the bigger <laughs> tournaments. Uh, like it's it's a it can be a grind playing the challengers, traveling from east coast to west coast, and yeah, not being put up in the best hotels. It's just it's a completely different level, and yeah, it's it's definitely more exciting to play in front of a bigger crowd, and you know just the the everything that is there for the players at the Grand Slams and at the ATP level. So. Um, yeah, hoping to play more of these over the next couple of months and years. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be conscious of your time. You've got training to do. I will not be the reason your match on Monday with Munar does not go well. But I, I do want to ask for you now that you you know you qualify, you win around at or you get a wild card, you win around at Wimbledon, you qualify here at the U.S. Open. Now you're in the first round. Will these sorts of results change your scheduling at all moving forward? I noticed you played Atlanta, you played Los Cabos as two fifties. Will you change how you address the last portion of your twenty nineteen? Oh yeah, I'm definitely trying to mix in some ATP events and depending on how this week goes and the next couple of months I'll adjust the schedule and maybe end the season in Europe depending on what where my ranking's at. But as of now I'm just yeah, focusing on Monday and seeing trying to get the win on Monday, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely, and look, we look forward to watching you play on Monday. I, I do have to ask, uh, you know, your background with tennis. Uh, obviously, people now have seen your jump this last half of the year, but going back, uh, I know you grew up in Germany playing club tennis. you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, growing up, I didn't play a lot of tennis. I was playing like twice or three times a week until I was like 15, 16, then I started to play a little more. Uh, did a lot of different stuff. I was playing a lot of club tennis when I grew up, like all the like under 16s, under 14s, under 12s. It's pretty big in Germany, and like all the league stuff, the men's leagues, and yeah, I think that helped a lot. And like just the team spirit. That's why I like college so much. It's just great atmosphere being in college, like being around other teammates, not being by yourself, especially in, in individual sport like tennis is. And then yeah, after. Uh, with 16, when I was 16, I finaled the German championships kind of out of nowhere. No one really knew me. And yeah, that's when I started to pick up tennis a little more. You mentioned the team atmosphere. What was it about Tulane's atmosphere that drew you in that had you end up going there? Um, well, I wasn't highly recruited going out of juniors. I didn't play any junior ITFs. I think I played one, lost in the first round of quality, so there wasn't great help for me to get recruited by the bigger schools and then I had some connections with my coaches from back home that knew Mark Boris the Tulane head coach and that's kind of how I got started and then he came over to Germany and yeah I agreed to go to Tulane for four years and it was 
guess the best choice I could have made. So for someone who wasn't highly recruited and, as you mentioned, just wasn't, you know, so many kids you see who are tennis or kids now, uh, young professionals on the tour have spent, you know, their whole lives playing tennis, traveling to all of the tournaments. You obviously had a different path. You know, would you say that team at Mr. You kind of mentioned it at Tulane, that's how you really fell in love with the sport? Uh, I guess what I'm asking is, did you have pro aspirations when you went to Tulane or was it you just fell in love with the game even more while there? I mean, yeah, I always wanted to go pro. That like It's a dream growing up. When you start playing tennis, that's the reason why you want to play and want to get better. But it was never very realistic because I wasn't good enough when I was younger. And then being able to play college tennis and practicing a lot with the team, like having pretty professional environment to practice in and play matches in definitely helped my game. And yeah, it was, I mean, I guess everything pretty much went the right way and yeah that's why I'm here right now absolutely and for you I guess you know to, as you mentioned that sort of development uh what was it in college that you know really helped you take the next step with your tennis was it the constant dedication just the team atmosphere why is college tennis in your opinion a, a good pathway for people who want to develop into professionals I think what helped me the most was practicing a lot in the team environment there wasn't a day where I didn't give 100% just because you didn't want to disappoint your teammates and then same with the matches you just you don't play for yourself you play for the team you play for the coaches and your teammates and then yeah playing a lot of matches you play like I don't know like 25 dual matches in the spring and then you play fall tournaments where you might play three matches a day four days straight so that definitely helped me getting better and improving my game. Yeah, and for you, you know, you are a two-time team captain, back-to-back team MVP award winner your junior and senior year. But that senior year, you also reached the number one uh, number one position in the country. You're ranked the number one singles player from January 5th to April 19th. I believe that was the first time in Tulane history someone had reached number one. You became the fifth multi-time All-American in program history. Just, you know, looking back... Uh, how, what do you think about your time in college tennis? Would you recommend it as a pathway for those young pros who, you know, 17, 18 are trying to make that jump? Yes, 100%. I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it to where you can end up at the top level of tennis. But I think college is a great way to develop, develop your game. You, you'll have a lot of fun in college. It's not all about the tennis. You get to study, you get to be around a lot of other young people and yeah, I really enjoyed my time there, not just because of tennis, just also because of like just being around other young people. And yeah, I think it kind of uh, that's why I'm still excited to go out on court and play tennis because I just found yeah a lot of joy in playing tennis and being around other people that love doing the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that in mind, uh, our listeners know whenever we have a college tennis player on, I like to run them through a rapid-fire segment because what our listeners realize, you know, in college tennis, as much time as you play, uh, spend playing matches, most of your time is spent with your teammates. So I have a series of questions to ask you about your teammates. Uh, you know, whichever name comes to mind, you can throw that player under the bus. Sound good? <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Westoff, give me a rapid-fire sound effect, please. <laughs> Okay, the place we're going to start. Your favorite teammate to practice with during your time there? Konstantin Schmidt. <laughs> uh, your favorite to play doubles with? Joe. 
<laughs> the player most likely to hook you during practice? Ian Van Cott. <laughs> no question? No question. No. <laughs> like not not just in practice, even matches. <laughs> I like to hear it. All right. Uh, the funniest member of your team? Mm, probably Job as well. The best to go out with? Tyler Sheik. <laughs> I won't ask you for those stories. I'll let you keep them PG. Um, all right, let's think. What else? Uh, I believe you know you were very close with your coach. What is the most annoying thing your coach did during your time at Tulane? Growing out his beard to where he looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> really? He did it every year? Uh, no, he, he did it my senior year. I think he said he'd grow it out until someone won a national championship. So he got to shave it off to New York, but it was very long. Yeah, you're just like, please. Um, all right, the the most difficult part of being a student athlete? Uh, time management, I guess. Having to study and be ready for practice and yeah, just coordinate everything. Mm-hmm. Flip side of that, the most enjoyable part? Being around a lot of other young people. Yeah, I can only imagine. All right. Obviously, our listeners know Tulane. Uh, if our listeners don't know where Tulane is located, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, New Orleans has a reputation on its own. But best part about living in New Orleans for four years? Uh, all the festivals that are going on pretty much every weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they say New Orleans is like nothing else. Is it true? Uh, it's yeah, it's very different to all the other cities in the world. I think like coming from Germany, I was very shocked when I first got there. It was the <laughs> first time. I remember the first day going on campus and driving around the city. I just haven't seen something like that before. Yeah, it begs the question: How do you get to number one in the country when you're living in New Orleans? That's an achievement on its own. Mm, you just gotta balance everything out. You gotta work hard every day and just give hundred percent whatever you do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's social life, school, or you know, or going yeah. to practice, I'm down to give 100 percent on my social life in New Orleans. That sounds like <laughs> a fun time. Um, but I guess you know, moving on from that, you obviously now have been on the pro tour. I believe about three, uh, three full years. What was the hardest part transitioning from the top ranks of college, where you know you're maybe not losing for three months at a time, uh, versus going to the pro tour, where week in week out you never know what you're going to face? Um, yeah, it's definitely big adjustment just coming from college, not having to lose, and knowing who you play every week, and then playing a new tournament every week. And now I pretty much lose every week at some point, whether it's the <laughs> first round or in the finals or. Like maybe like once or twice a year you win a tournament so you don't lose the entire week but it's very rare so you gotta bounce back really quick and just get over your losses quickly in order to improve and get ready for the next week yeah although shout out to you you did not lose this week in making qualifying for the US Open so always a victory (laughs) um yeah, for you in particular, I believe you, uh, you know, Jared Hiltzik at the time, but uh, Tim Smichek, there's a big group of you guys who train at Saddlebrook. I'm curious, what is it about the Saddlebrook scene that uh, you enjoy so much? I think it's a pretty small, small setup. There's not too many players, and there's always someone there to hit with, and it's not as giant as some other academies in the U.S. or other places, and that makes it pretty special, so... Everyone knows everyone, and you know we get along pretty well, so that's, that's a lot of fun. 
Do do you feel that same camaraderie you felt training at Tulane when you're down in Saddlebrook? No, it's completely different. I mean, everyone does sure. their own stuff. Everyone plays their own schedule, so there's always different guys there at different times. And yeah, you barely get to see someone for two weeks in a row because they're on the road all the time. But yeah. No, definitely. Well, then for you, you know, looking at, again, the end of the 2019 season, you, uh, 2019 season, you talked about, you know, changing your schedule, trying to play more a, uh, ATP level events. But now that that top 100 is in your grasp, is that really the biggest goal, you know, moving forward for the next few months? Or is it still very process oriented, you know, get my game better and worry about the results later? Yeah, I mean, the ranking will come eventually once I start winning matches, and that's what, what's happening right now. So I'm more focusing on the next match other than the ranking. I stopped looking at all the life rankings and every single stat I don't Rizzotina. So it helped me a little bit over the last couple of months just focusing on the matches. And, you know, I want to keep it going and then see where the ranking is going to end up at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely, and we look forward to doing it. Well, then, just a couple other questions, and I promise I'll let you go. Again, these are going to be more fun-based than serious. Uh, you big golfer? I play some golf, yeah, but over the last couple months, I've had some wrist injuries or, like, a little pain in my wrist, so I haven't done it too much. Word on the street, though, is that Ryan Williams, Smechek, that the Saddlebr- uh, Saddlebrook group, uh, they, they start to gamble on the golf course a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been around with them too much on the golf course, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Yeah, that's the that's the word on the street. But then, all right, your favorite city in the world? Yawns. Ooh, the, good answer. The thing you are doing when you're not playing tennis? Yeah, watching YouTube videos. Oh, you're YouTuber, Netflix guy. Oh, uh, more YouTube than Netflix. I get really bored watching series or movies. Yeah, that's fair. Right, that makes sense. Are you, do you watch tennis? Like when you're on YouTube, will you watch other people play or are you just so done with the sport at that point? Mm, yeah, sometimes, but I try not to. try to get away from it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, German tennis for you guys seems like more and more breaking through. Uh, Davis Cup dreams, would that be, you know, great for you? Is that one of your goals? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would love to play for Germany and, you know, hopefully one day you know, I'll be able to. What have you thought of Struff this year? I think that guy, he can play. Yeah, he's a, if he's on fire, he's a, he's playing very well. He's very confident at the moment. He's had some great runs so far. And yeah, hopefully he can keep it going for the rest of the year. And surely he'll be probably around top 20 pretty soon, I think, if he keeps playing like that. Yeah, I'm just saying you guys, uh, Oscar, Rudolph, the Zverevs, obviously. It's got a nice little Davis Cup team for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean... I don't really know. I haven't really understood the new Davis Cup rules yet, how it works, but yeah, it'll definitely be fun to play for them. Yeah, you, me, and everyone. No idea how that works. I agree. Uh, you have a go-to warm-up song you listen to before on court? No, there's no routine. I I don't really listen to music before matches, so yeah. Go-to. Really. you got to have a pre-game meal, though. Yeah, uh, rice and chicken, usually. <laughs> Pretty plain, yeah. Oh man! I, when you were back in New Orleans, were you a big beignets guy? I went to the Cafe du Monde several times. Yeah, very good. But... <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I mean, chicken and rice. I, I, I'm hoping after qualifying, you at least juiced it up a little bit. Yeah, I had a donut today, so that, that'll be. <laughs> <it. Yeah. laughs> 
I'm glad to hear it. Well, again, and we'll end here because I want to be conscious of your time. For fans who may get the first opportunity to see you at this U.S. Open or who just aren't as familiar with your game, what do that you hope they take out of the experience of watching you play? I mean, I think I'm pretty intense on court, so it should be pretty exciting to watch me, whether it's cursing or getting angry or getting <laughs> pumped. Like, there's always something happening, I guess, on court, and, you know, I think that's the most, yeah, most obvious thing about me that I'm pretty emotional on court. Absolutely. Well, Dominic, that part of that motion, that fire, is what makes it so fun to watch you play. Uh, congratulations again on qualifying uh, for these back to uh, these past two main draws, and good luck to you at the U.S. Open against Moon. Our I know, uh, speaking for the Crack Rackets community, and we'll be rooting for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah. yeah of course. And take care.